When I was a kid, my grandma lived in a big house. She was a collector, and upstairs were rooms filled with all sorts of antiques and furniture pieces and a giant library filled with books. When we would go to her house, my cousins and I would play hide-and-seek upstairs for hours, and I was an all-star player. Let's be clear, I stand before you today a five-one-and-a-half man in his mid-thirties who can still manage to hide inside various compact spaces, including most overhead storage compartments. So imagine the places that young seven-year-old Zach could hide. Now, a true artist doesn't reveal all of their tactics, but in the spirit of authenticity, which we're talking about today, I'll say this. If you ever find yourself playing a game of hide-and-seek with yours truly, here's a pro tip you might want to check under the bathroom sink. Now, if you have young kids, maybe you play hide-and-seek with them in this way. But I would argue that as we get older, we continue to play different versions of the game hide-and-seek. If company is coming over, do you ever hide everything in the house, in the closets? If you're on a first date, do you ever present your best self and withhold the real you for later? Online, do you perfectly curate and share the best parts of your life and never show the rest? Now, if you're like me, you get really good at playing this game over time in a lot of different ways. But where does the real you exist? And who, if anyone, gets to really see and experience it? My name is Zach Owens, and normally on a Sunday morning, you can catch me on stage at our Coleraine campus leading worship behind the guitar or keyboard. Today, I have the privilege of talking with you about a topic and a story that are deeply close to me. We're currently in this message series called Core Values, where we're walking through the things that we believe will help us in our mission of connecting people to full life in Jesus if each of us embraces and embodies them. We want each of these values to be core to who we are and what we do as a church, but also who we are and what we do as individual followers of Jesus. Today, we're talking about the value of authenticity. Often, when we describe someone or something as authentic, we're referring to them as honest, genuine, or sincere. We say things like, she just is who she is, and she just tells it like it is, or he's just a humble, down-to-earth kind of guy. We might also be referring to trust or originality. I know I can trust her. He's one of a kind. And while these aren't inaccurate descriptions, I think authenticity goes deeper than simply being honest or trustworthy or original. Something more is on the line. Authenticity is about being courageous enough to show up, to courageously and vulnerably reveal the deeper parts of you. Our big idea today as we talk about authenticity here at White Oak, together we show up. What does it look like to show up? I think we know this when we see it. It's when someone says, I'm drowning and I need help. It's when someone says, I was wrong, I'm sorry. It's when someone says, I'm thinking about starting something new. It's when someone says, I'm scared, or I think I might be falling in love. Anyone else getting that feeling in the pit of your stomach right now? Showing up means something is on the line. We can be honest about a lot of things, but that doesn't mean we're practicing authentic living. 
When someone shares and truly puts themselves out there, whether their deepest hurts and struggles or their wildest dreams, that's showing up. Authentic living requires that we put ourselves out there. Something is on the line. I think most people would say they value authenticity. We love to affirm it in people. Why? I think it's because we recognize and respect that it takes a tremendous amount of courage to live that way. Social researcher Brene Brown, who studies authenticity, shame, and vulnerability, she defines authenticity as the daily practice of letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. Let's unpack that definition a little bit. Number one, authenticity is a practice. One is not born any more or less authentic than someone else. Rather, much like working out or learning a new skill, we make a discipline of practicing authenticity. One is not just healthy, they practice healthy living. And one is not simply a rider, they practice riding. So we grow to become more authentic people. Number two, letting go of who we think we're supposed to be. There's a fairly common game I think we all play. I call it the image comparison game, and it's kind of a version of hide and seek. It's a game in which we foster and maintain an image or an illusion of who we are or what our life is like in order to measure up with some expectation of who we think we should be. If you're on any social media platform, you're probably playing this game a lot. Let me give you an example. Every once in a while, Kevin Smith, our Coleraine campus pastor, runs 100 miles in 30 days, and we love that for him. Last year during the quarantine, I saw both Kevin and Chris Emmons, our Ross campus pastor, posting about their daily run in their cool shoes and their shades. You know, while some people found new hobbies, new life and productivity during the quarantine, my life looked a little like the rest of the world, shut down. It was hard. So while I wanted to be out running and being my best healthy self, I found myself more like this. Now this is a lighthearted example, but it's real. I mean, how many times do we say to ourselves, oh, my life doesn't look like that. My kids don't look like that. My house doesn't look like that. My skin, my body doesn't look like that. Or we say, they look so happy. They look so healthy. They look so successful or they look so holy, so Christian, so faithful. These comparisons and expectations, whether we create them or if they're pressed upon us, these are often the things that get in the way of us showing up and being authentic, and they cause us to hide. In my photo, I'm hiding behind humor. If I'm being honest, it's a defense mechanism that I'm sure a lot of us hide behind. Why do we do this? Well, I think it's because we feel like we have to measure up or risk being rejected or not accepted. And therefore, why bother putting our true selves, our authentic selves out there? We've got to let this go and instead, number three, embrace who we are as children of God. Romans chapter 8 verses 14 through 16 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. And now we call Him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. If you are in Christ, in step with the Holy Spirit, you are a child of God. That is who you are. That is whose you are. 
And when that truly sinks in, we no longer have to struggle like slaves for belonging, for validation or acceptance. We don't need to measure up because our worth and our identity come from being sons and daughters of the King. There is freedom when we practice authenticity. When we let go of who we think we should be and embrace who we are as children of God, we are free to show up. And that is critical if we want to connect people to full life in Jesus. Today, we're going to look at one man's encounter with Jesus that I think we can learn a lot from when it comes to the power of authenticity, of showing up and not hiding. I want you to turn with me here to Luke 19, verses 1 to 10, and let's read this story together. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Now, if you grew up in church, you might be singing the song, Welcome to My Life Story. Zacchaeus and I, we share a name, a lack of height, and an affinity for climbing trees, but I digress because there's a lot going on here. So first, who is Zacchaeus? Well, number one, he has a reputation. Verse 2 tells us that Zacchaeus is a tax collector, which means he was seen as a cheat, a liar, maybe even a traitor to gain his wealth. And he was a very rich and wealthy man. Because of his profession, he would not have been liked by the religious leaders at the time either. They wouldn't be found associating with him because of his reputation. Have you ever had anyone make assumptions about you based on what you do? For me, I work a few different jobs right now, and it's so interesting to see the different reactions I get to each one. Well, I'm a coffee barista. How fun! I run escape rooms. How interesting! I'm a pastor. Oh, crickets? Or maybe you've had people make assumptions about you based on your past or what they think they know about you. Other people's perceptions of us can keep us from showing up. I mean, why bother to show up and share the deeper parts of me if everyone's just going to judge me for what I do or what I've done, whether it's true or not? Why bother to show up if they won't accept me or if I won't fit in? I don't belong there. Well, Zacchaeus, he had a reputation. And number two, according to verse three, he's short, or in other words, he doesn't measure up. In reality, Zacchaeus was probably about my height. Now, my driver's license says I'm five foot three, which is what I like to call optimistic, but in the spirit of authenticity, that's a hair or two too much. But back then, just as it is today, height often comes uh, with associations of social power and status. So for Zacchaeus, he's now fighting assumptions based on both what he does and how he looks. 
No surprise, growing up, I was the short kid in my class. You could find me in the front corner of all the class photos because that's your spot when you're the short kid in class. Now, when I was in kindergarten, as if I didn't know it, this girl, Jamie, told me that I was short. So short, in fact, that I needed to go back to preschool. Now, there's three things you should know about this moment. Number one, thank you for your sympathy. I'm better now. Number two, she was only taller than me because of her 80s hair. And number three, if I'm honest, I held on to that. I can trace that back to one of the first instances where I didn't feel enough, capable enough, manly enough, too short, and therefore not worthy of my place. Have you ever felt or been told that you were too much or not enough? You don't know enough. You'll never amount to anything. You're just too emotional. Well, you're not alone because Zacchaeus and I can both relate. Last thing about Zacchaeus, verse 7 notes that he's a sinner. Of what? We don't know. The text doesn't specifically tell us, but I don't know if it matters. We can only assume, and I think that's the point. Despite his reputation, his social standing, and his sin, Zacchaeus seeks Jesus anyway. He shows up. He doesn't let those things get in the way of him seeing Jesus. Zacchaeus knows that Jesus is coming through town. It's like Jesus is on tour and Zacchaeus is young, scrappy, and hungry to see Jesus. So he does, like any short-statured person attending a large event would do, he makes a plan to camp out and to secure tree-level seating to see Jesus. And what happens? Well, verse 5 tells us that Jesus calls Zacchaeus down by name and is a guest in his home. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. And as I read this, I think he not only sees Zacchaeus physically in that tree, I think he sees into Zacchaeus' heart. He sees all of him. He sees his reputation, his social standing, the struggles he faces, his deepest sin, his hopes, his dreams, and he calls him by name. In this moment, Zacchaeus is fully seen and fully known. And then Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. I'm going to be a guest in your home. Okay, first of all, Jesus sort of just invited himself over, kind of rude, maybe to us. But this is socially significant for that time. This is more like if I climbed a tree at a Taylor Swift concert and she walks down from the stage, approaches my tree and says, hey, I'm coming over to your house later. We're going to make cookies. We're going to play music. Cue me freaking out. Jesus is choosing to share a meal with Zacchaeus, to associate closely with a man both society and religious people thought of as lowly. And boy, did they grumble. Seriously, religious people, they're the worst. I'm sure there were whispers. I'm sure there were shouts. I'm sure that there were requests to speak to the manager because people were displeased. But meanwhile, Zacchaeus' life has changed. He is transformed. Verse 8 tells us that he became generous. He made things right. And when we pursue Jesus, when we show up and meet Jesus, this is what happens. Our lives change. And then Jesus says in verse 9, this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, meaning that his actions have demonstrated his faith and his heart. He sought after Jesus, he showed up, and Jesus pursued and found him. That is who our God is. This is good news for all of us. We have a God who pursues, and it's all over Scripture. In Genesis 3, 
the man and woman have sinned and they ran and hid in the garden and God comes looking for them and he finds them in their shame. And just like Zacchaeus, he calls them out of hiding. We hide, God seeks. In John 1:14, we have one of my favorite verses as John describes Jesus entering our world. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I love the way the message translation words this. Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Finally, in Revelation 3.20, it reads, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. As with Zacchaeus, Jesus is pursuing. He is at the door, he's knocking, he's waiting, and he's wanting to share a meal with us. God is always pursuing us. He is calling us by name and out of hiding because he knows us, he sees us, despite our reputation, despite our past, our deep sin, our shame, and he wants to be a guest in our home. This is why Jesus moved into the neighborhood and ultimately why he went to the cross for us. So how do we show up? Well, number one, we embrace who we are. We remember our identity as sons and daughters of the King. Here at White Oak, we wanna be a place where people discover their identity in Jesus and rest in that truth. A friend of mine put it this way, slaves don't rest. Sons and daughters rest in the arms of their heavenly father. When we know who we are, when we know whose we are, we don't have to struggle for worth and validation. We can rest. Number two, we let go of who we think we should be. We stop hiding behind glossy photos in our Sunday best, our humor, our trite words and pleasantries, our trophies and toys, and we start getting real and honest about what's real in our lives, our struggles, our pain, our fears, and our dreams. Now, this doesn't mean that we just air out our dirty laundry to anyone and everyone and just publicly share and post everything, because that's not healthy either. But maybe it means we let our guard down a little bit. Maybe it means we have a real conversation with someone and share our heart. Maybe it means we take a step pursuing a calling that God's placed on our heart and ask a life group for accountability. Maybe it means we confess sin with a trusted friend. Maybe it means asking for prayer because maybe your relationship or your marriage is rocky or seeking support because that thing that no one knows you're dealing with is becoming too much. Friends, it's exhausting to hide. As sons and daughters of the King, let's stop hiding. Let's stop letting things get in the way. Let's stop pursuing an image centered around expectation and perfection and comparison, and instead start pursuing God. Finally, number three, we practice. Every day, together, we choose authenticity. Together, we show up. Part of my authenticity practice is daily reminding myself whose I am and being honest about where I'm hiding and choosing to rest in God's grace and truth, in his presence and strength. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 to 11, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad I can boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we get weak, we are strong. When we get honest and real, God is good and faithful. 
So what happens if we don't practice authenticity, if we don't show up? Well, it means that we're most likely living our lives in hiding and in safety rather than faith. And first of all, that's easy and that's boring. And two, rather than experiencing rich relationships, rather than seeing the dreams God has for us realized, we'll remain exhausted, lonely, and empty. In short, if we don't choose to show up, if we don't climb the tree, we will never experience full life. And worse, people of this world will never believe that life with Jesus looks any different. Let that sink in. Jesus came so that we might have life to the full. And our mission at White Oak is to connect people to full life in Jesus. We must value and practice authenticity. We must show up for that to happen. What would it look like if we all truly showed up? You know, we started this core value series talking about generosity, not just with our finances, but also with our words, our time, and our talents. Together, we pour ourselves out. And when we're practicing authenticity, when we are truly showing up and sharing our whole heart, that's when we are our most generous. Being our true selves is the best gift that we can give to the people around us. Think about that. If you've ever sat with someone who has let their guard down and shared their deepest fears, struggles, or dreams with you, that's a gift. They've trusted you with those things. What would it look like if White Oak were a place of refuge for people who generously shared these things with one another? You know, last week, we talked about the value of community, of sharing together because together we are more. And when we're practicing authenticity, when we truly show up and share our whole heart, that's when we can be deeply known. And that's when we are fostering rich community and depth in our relationships with both God and others. Authenticity is an invitation. If I let my guard down and share my deepest pains and dreams, it lets others know that they aren't alone and it communicates that they can do the same. It's safe to be here and it's safe to share those things. You know, when I first came to White Oak to guest lead worship, truthfully, I was a mess. My life had drastically been shaken. I was in deep shame and loss and facing great uncertainty, and I wasn't sure where or how I was going to land. But the thing that let me know that there was a place for me here was the authenticity of the team of musicians and techs that met me here that night at rehearsal. They shared what was real in their lives with me, knowing really nothing about me. They too had struggles at home. They too were dealing with loss and uncertainty and they too were here to pursue Jesus in worship. It was their authenticity. It was their willingness to share their hearts, to meet mine that helped me pursue Jesus when I wasn't sure if I had it in me. When we let our guard down and stop hiding and when we stop playing that image game, when we let go of who we think we should be and embrace who we are and bravely share the real stuff of our lives, we find rest and freedom and we invite others to experience the same thing. It's exhausting to hide, to run, and to put up a front, but we aren't slaves. We are children of God. So today, if you need to be found, God is pursuing you and he wants to be a guest in your home. You can come out of hiding. It's safe here. We're all just trying to figure it out, and this is a place for the lost, for the broken, and for the hurting. 
May you and I this day, each day, choose to climb the tree, to pursue Jesus no matter what. And may White Oak be a place where together we show up.